Welcome back all you beautiful people, all you freaks, you geeks, blurs, nerds, dippers, twisters, ballroomers, and the like. This is the latest installment of My House is Burning. My House is Burning is a recap review show of Viceland's My House, a docu-series following the lives of a few ballroomers in the New York City uh, ballroom nightlife scene. Yeah. So uh, this episode entitled Guns and Roses uh, was a dope-ass fucking episode. Before we get into it, make sure you use the hashtag MHIBpod when listening to this podcast episode and the rest of them, as well as when you're listening to, or rather watching, Viceland's My House. Um, uh, dope shit. Use the hashtag to communicate with me. Let me know what's going on, how you feeling, uh, what's good, how you feel about the show. If you have any questions you want me to answer, anything you want me to talk about, anything in sp- particular, specific and particular, that you would like for me to touch on. Um, and if for nothing else, just live tweet with me using that hashtag uh, on Wednesday nights. This show is going to be wrapping up pretty soon. I think we have like three or four more episodes and I want to hear from you. The cast is fucking amazing. The behind the scenes people are dope as shit. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you all so very much for uh, your support. And I will continue to support Viceland's My House until I can't support no more. (laughs) So we're going to dive right into this episode, which is Guns N' Roses. Which is pretty much a uh, a precious heavy scene, precious heavy scene, precious heavy episode, and it was a surprisingly nostalgic episode for me. Why? Because I am originally from the Midwest, though I do reside in the dirty, dirty <laughs> in Texas. I um, hail from the Midwest, Michigan specifically, and so seeing precious. We open up in Detroit's airport like that was uh, that took me back <laughs> that quick and uh, <clears throat> good commentary. Pretty much precious as being usual precious. Uh, so carefree, lovable, friendly. Like I just want I want to meet the cast, but I just want to meet uh, precious. Let's just have a drink and talk shit somewhere. Well, we get Detroit and we get a lot of Detroit. We get this. Ball, which is the fuck love ball. We'll we'll get to that. Um, but again, seeing precious in this, but just it is so weird. Like I let me take a quick aside. I have not. Well, I'm not usually one to be homesick, you know, because I'm, I, I'm just not. And so I've been away from home, you know, the Midwest for over a year now. Now this isn't the first time I've been away from there for college and you know just living or whatnot. But I have been away this last time for about a year and there has not been one thing that has happened or any series of things that just made me you know homesick but watching this episode and seeing the snow though i do not miss it (laughs) the snow every goddamn we're seeing woodward avenue that sign seeing all these pictures of detroit seeing the airport just kind of took me back and you know i shed a little thug tear like oh fuck i do miss home so i have to get back sometime soon uh, so anyways, like I said, I'm trying to figure out the timeline of the series and it seems as if the series was filmed late last year, early this year, because uh, the weather and everything would indicate in Detroit, even though, you know, you can experience every season in a matter of like 30 minutes, you don't get heavy snow like this in the summertime. So Precious trucks her way through, treks her way through uh, to a gun range, which is like, you know, I can't wait to see my daddy and my uncle, kick with them, blah, blah, whatever. So me 
watching the show, having seen it so far, I tell you this show continues to surprise me. Like, of course, getting deeper into people's lives. We've already gotten so much of Precious, like, that we aren't even, you know, deserving of because it's so much of yourself, much like with the rest of the cast, but with Precious uh, specifically, that when she's talking about, oh, you know, I'm going to kick with my daddy, we're going to shoot some guns or whatnot. I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, you and your dad kicking it, hanging out, shooting guns, talking shit, being, you know, a little family. Well, it comes out that her dad is actually her, her gay dad and it is the guy Marquise who was, if you remember from the first episode, the coldest winner ever ball, he was one of the three, I keep wanting to say characters, three persons who were interviewed for like a, maybe like five or 10 seconds uh, of screen time where he said, you know, I'm, I think he said I'm overall house father or something, but I remember he said I'm walking um, streetwear and he showed off his outfit and then that was it. That's all we got to him. Well, he pops up again here. Now, before he does, Precious is talking about, you know, her life and shit that she's been through and uh, joking around and kikiing and having fun and being at a gun range. And this, again, is one of those uh, scenes and one of those um, uh, things that make me so grateful for this show. Because, again, and I'm going to, I'm a broken record at this point, when you see marginalized people, specifically LGBTQAI plus members, that community is always, no, it has been historically depicted as a joke, as the butt of a joke, as, you know, the depressed, uh, the the topical, the, the, the joke, the uh, comic relief. And to get this show presenting Precious in her natural habitat as she is, with her family at a gun range. I I emphasize this because I could see if this was a scripted show from the 90s or 80s, I could see how this could very well slide into a very caricature territory where it's the the gay with the who can't shoot a gun, who's eeping and meeping and, and squirming at every goddamn thing around or becomes the butt of a joke, a series of unnecessary uh, gay dick jokes, sex jokes or whatnot, or it could go in the, you know, uh, another direction where it's now this scene would have probably, uh, happened within a, a, um, nail salon or something like, and not to say that those two depictions of being gay or being queer are bad. They aren't. But when you, much like with black Panther, when you hand a character, a series, a intellectual property, something over to people of color, marginalized people, or at the very least amplify their already existing works or the works that they're trying to do, you get a more fleshed out story. You get something that isn't just a two-dimensional look into a life of someone else. You know, you don't know everything. And like I said, this could have easily gone in uh, other directions. And I like, you know, what we were presented with. Now, I don't know if well, what Precious did say, you know, I like to shoot with my dad and blah, 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 I like to shoot my gun. So that's that. Uh, perhaps that was spoken about before and the producer was like, okay, well, let's go to a gun range. Or it could have just been naturally, this is what I want to do with my dad. Who knows? Because there is editing to this, though it is real life. But the the uh, the carefree, uh, joyous, happy smiles and shit that you get from Precious shooting this gun range with her dad is like the same that you get with her commentating a ball. And it's so heartfelt. Like, I 
I felt that this was genuine. This made me want to fucking go to a gun range with my dad, biological dad, and and get me a gay dad to go to the gun range with as well. It is, it's just taking characters, not characters, but people, but characters by extension because this is representation of queer folks, but taking characters out of things uh, stale as expected environments again this could have been in some nail salon or hair shop where precious becomes a a uh, caricature or a shell of what it is to be gay or or, or uh, what a cis hit white you know audience feels like being gay is. so that being said i really really enjoy that i love seeing that um seeing precious talk to her gay dad and then explain you know how him marquise has been there for her she said now we don't get detail like you know oh when i od'd he was with me and oh when i graduated high school we don't get that but we do get through the emotions and through the expressions on precious's face through everything um that this man marquise means a lot to her and the story is it's kind of average story of a a person I don't even want to say a black person but you know they're black so I'll say a black person where you know your dad isn't around and Precious story kind of flips on his head where yeah my dad I know who he is there is no denying that you know who my father is but the thing is he didn't want me I, I can't remember if she said specifically he didn't want her or he didn't want to be a dad or like wasn't I think what she said was him the dad and Precious's mom weren't like together like I don't know if you were alluding to it being a hookup or it being a relationship that failed and he wanted to distance himself whatever the reason there's something that Precious said which was I just wanted you to step up to finish your job to do your job which is like yeah what she said I knew some people who did not know their father and I was envious and I know that wasn't what she said verbatim I'm, uh, I'm paraphrasing but it was pretty much these people it's kind of sort of have an excuse they don't have their dad but i know who this nigga is he know who i am and this motherfucker is not stepping up and doing his job which makes marquise's job or role as precious's father that much more uh amplified that much more uh just seeing them together and seeing this these big ass smiles on their faces this hugging this affection this ease in which that they're um, I don't want to say living your truth. This ease in which they're um, existing and not hiding. Uh, and I say that, Jesus Christ, I feel like I'm double talking. Guys, if you, if, if you understand me, let me know. If I need to go back and explain something else, please tweet me and let me know. MHIB bot. But the ease in which Precious, Marquise, and then the uncle, I forget his name, that they're existing in this space that is, you know, traditionally a masculine heterosexual place this gun range and it's hugs it's i think it was a kiss uh between precious and her uncle and this like display of affection in one black man period all, all other shit aside black men being that um open to be uh comfortable with each other where it's not a and though these are queer folks like taking that off the table it's not a space where because i hug you or because our cheeks touch uh, cheeks on your face or you know even a pat on the back it's not oh that's gay like in some immature shit like this is black men expressing affection towards each other and then adding in everything else you have these black men who are not afraid 
to be their genuine selves. This isn't a time to, you know, cower and hide from, oh, this is a gay person, I'm ashamed of my gayness and whatever. And even to the point of Marquise presenting as more of a masculine, uh, cis, head, no, not head, um, cis, um, cis, I don't know if his sexuality, if he's gay, bi, or whatever, a queer guy, a queer man who presents as more masculine or straight acting or however you like to label it. And then Precious being clearly uh, more flamboyant, more expressive with her uh, gender expression or her, uh, her queer expression. And seeing that all exist in this space was just fucking beautiful. Like against all of the black gun clips and different guns and brown rifles and stark cold surfaces and glass cases and you know just it it was it's just such a beautiful thing to see and i i I watched this episode a few times and i watched it on mute had it playing at work and i look i just just looking at it with no captions on mute and seeing this expression and finding common things that maybe i didn't i didn't pay attention to before or oh hey i do that sometimes when i talk or the emotion behind so many fucking stories um one being that precious brought up death and about and i think it was tied directly into her relationship with marquise being that uh she i think said was rapping left a recording session or something with big frida was at a stoplight and her and her friends were shot at by some car and there was no explanation there wasn't oh it was a rival gang or these motherfuckers hated gays. It wasn't any of that, but it's just the fact that we were shot at. And that you talk about the heaviness of your biological father, and the relationship you have with him. And then you get this death. No, I think that came after Marquis showed up. Either way, the, you get this, this joyous expression of love between uh, Precious and Uncle and Marquise, Dad, Marquise. And then you get this weighted story about death, which begins with, you know, we got shot up. And that's something that you could probably write off as, okay, well, you know, that would happen, but, you know, not in my neighborhood. I wouldn't get shot at. Then she brings into the conversation, um, or just death, period, and me hooking up with a guy. You know, maybe he might kill me. Maybe he might give me AIDS or whatever. And it's just like this kind of example after example where though in these first few episodes we see this bubbly happy-go-lucky commentating you know uh sassy ass fucking expressive lovable person but behind the eyes of this magnificent being that we have it's all this hurt all this heaviness that you know we for all we know he could be excuse me she could be commentating at a ball and in the back of her head, while commentating, you have this feeling of fear from being murdered some type of way. Um, there's one thing that she said that really stuck out to me, which was, you know, um, after the shooting, there are times when she's driving down the road, might end up at the stoplight and has to pull over and just cry because you're, you have this PTSD. And two things to unpack there. One, the driving. The driving is something that I've never, um, well... Well, I've, I've never been in a stoplight and had my car shot at. I don't have that particular experience. I've had other experiences that, you know, have shaped some how I view some things. But there is this heightened awareness that you have as a black person, a black male. I can only speak from that perspective. I would imagine black women as well. But when you're riding in the car and there is a police officer behind you or there is some white person driving recklessly and very close to you but 
I'd focus more on the the police aspect because in this day and age where we are clearly years into just careless, nonchalantly murdering black people for whatever reason and fuck the respectability politics where it's like, oh, she was such a great person. She never been in jail. You can be a sex worker. You can be a valedictorian. If you're black and you're gunned down for the sake of your skin color, it does not matter. You can be a fucking criminal and that's still an issue. But I digress. The issues bringing that up, watching pressures and watching these tears stream down her face, it took me back to so many different instances just within this past year alone where I'm driving and there's an officer behind me and I have this feeling in my stomach that I have to force myself to power through because when I know that I've done nothing wrong, but that's no longer an excuse. You can do all the right things and still end up a statistic. You could still end up plastered over, you know, a, a, a Facebook post or over the news because some trigger happy motherfucker who did not like you or did not like your sass talk or anything, you can end up dead. And so watching this kind of, oh, it's one of those precious Precious's story and those tears pretty much amplified all the anxiety that I've had myself just riding around, even just going to work. It doesn't have to be anything recreationally, just or just going to the fucking car wash or the gas station. It's just like, ah, just the sight of a police car, especially behind me in my rearview mirror. It's, I don't know, it's, it's, I, I really connected with Precious on that. And I, I have to, I can't imagine that I'm the only person who had that same feeling. Again, I don't have that particular experience of being shot at, um, you know, at a stoplight, but I do have other experiences that kind of just poured out of me, like watching this. I'm just having this damn horrible ass series of flashbacks from where things have happened and where things have not. But the anxiety, it's like when uh, someone says, people will forget what you said and people will forget what you do, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. And all those feelings, like there's, eh, God, so there's that. Then there's a point where Precious is talking about the shooting and then being in the car uh, and then the PTSD. And that's another thing that I feel like we don't talk about the black experience itself kind of being this like butterfly effect or this ripple effect of so much trauma since forever. And you'll get these people who are in these impoverished areas or even middle class, whatever, or just being a, the only black in a sea of whiteness and having this anxiety and having this PTSD. And it doesn't even have to be specifically from something that's happened to you. Just knowing that you could fit the description. There used to be a time where it was, okay, I'm a tall six foot plus uh, black man and I have a bald head and a beard. Well, I probably look like in description a, a ton of other ones, other guys like that. So me being mistaken for someone, okay, whatever. But Recently, I saw a video where a young woman, black woman, braids, thin, small, I'd say about maybe 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, small frame girl, was fucking attacked and beat up by the goddamn police, saying that she matched the description of a man twice her size and bigger than her. And the girl said, I kept telling them, I'm not, I'm not even a fucking, I'm not a man. Why are you, be, I am not a male. I am clearly not, I don't fit this description. And it's just... It's, oh man, 
anyone listening overseas, I, I can't speak to the law enforcement over there, but here in America, PTSD is real. And I don't, it goes into um, a lot of mental issues that we have as black people that aren't addressed or that we don't overcome or that we don't even like acknowledge because it's just like, you know, a day in the life. And overall, you'll get so many black people, older specifically, and, you know, religious, I'll just pray about it. Prayer does not help everything. Even if, just if that's the case, I, you could pray over, you know, your, your fucked up car. You could pray over that bullet wound or that bad heart or whatever, and that shit could instantly fix it. That's not always the answer. It's honestly never the answer. But uh, that being said, the bringing up PTSD, though it's in from that specific event that Precious had, I feel like that's another thing that should be talked about within the black community and especially the more marginalized sections of the black community, like the queer, like the trans, like these uh, the, the these young kids who can't necessarily fight for themselves or don't have the resources to go out on their own when you're in toxic households where you're forced by a Bible belt, uh, Bible throat thumping family member to, you know, exist in a space or kind of um, um, close in on yourself and aren't able to express. <sighs> okay. So all what I'm saying is that Precious brought up a lot of good points that I feel like should be um, should be talked about more and should be handled uh, in a, a more serious light because there's there's a lot of work that can be done. But this episode, <laughs> forgive me for the rant, but this just brought seeing Precious sitting there at this gun range spilling out her guts about the shit that has happened to her just really brought me back to some places where it's just like, man, I, I, I feel you. I feel you. But then after that, we get <laughs> daddy, this embrace of daddy, uncle and precious. And I, I loved it. I loved it. Um, they are in the gun range and that's essentially it. They're in the gun range, talking shit, being this happy family. And I, I don't know, much like with Jelani and I believe the last episode going to see a financial planner. I like that this scene in itself or this episode could open up this idea to someone else. Because a lot of times we put actions and activities and things into a category of feminine and masculine. That's for boys. That's for girls. And subconsciously, because you're being fed this forever in the day, you can make it to your 30s and 40s and still not do certain things. Or when you're challenged on it. Fucking we're like, oh shit, I can do such and such, or why haven't I done this, or why can't, or why does it matter to me that so and so is doing this? I think that uh, seeing Precious in this space, you know, a more flashy, flamboyant person at a gun range will, might open up, you know, if, if nothing but put the idea in someone's head who never thought, like, oh, I can go shoot a gun, I can go learn how to shoot a gun, I can, you know, someone who is deemed to be more effeminate and softer and whatever, like, oh, I can go get a gun too, not that that's a huge thing, but you never know who you're reaching with these shows, you never know what people are taking from it, because, hell, everything I just said is something that I took from the the conversations that Precious had with uh, the, whoever is asking the questions, what I took is, Someone else could be watching the same damn show sitting right next to me and take something else from it. So, uh, but it's, but getting these images out here is half the battle and kind of the more important part. And the fact that it's getting out there by people who are in this community or at the very least are adjacent to it and understand the need to have these stories be told. So, 
Ooh, so that's that. <laughs> if I'm paid to commentate an event, sometimes I stay in hotel rooms, sometimes I stay with my gay family, sometimes I stay with a friend. <laughs> a boo boo. <laughs> so, like, when I travel, I normally, like, post on all my social media, hey, I'm in Detroit, or I'm going to Detroit, this is the event I'm going to. I like to upgrade, update my location on Jack. Um, Jack is like a social, it's like a gay social app. I definitely am pansexual, so I like men, um, trans women. I definitely like dark skin, like anything from like caramel to like chocolate to like burnt chocolate. <laughs> but yes, I am a gay male, what we call in the gay scene, the butch queen. <laughs> so we're moving on and we get precious at the well at her hotel and she's talking like you know this is what i do when i go somewhere i update all my social media i tell them hey i'm gonna be in detroit i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that sometimes i stay with my in a hotel sometimes i stay with my gay family and sometimes i stay with my friend you know a boo boo (laughs) and that was fucking that was funny i really this these are those quiet moments that make me like the cast even more and this Precious episode did it for me. Now, uh, Precious also, another thing that I like. Uh, now, I'll say this. The last episode of Pose on FX, there was a scene between Damon and Blanca, mother of the house of Evangelista. And Damon is a virgin still. And, you know, he came in late and she's like, hey, look, you know, this, that, and the third, what you doing? So the topic of sex comes up. And I ranted and raved about that show and about that scene in particular because sex education and sex in general as it pertains to same gender loving or queer persons isn't uh, in the forefront like it is with, you know, sex ed when it's a man and a woman, reproductive systems and everything. And Blanca uh, was, was telling Damon that, you know, no one plans to have sex, need to be aware. And he says, you know, well, I don't know what to do. She said, you could be a top. You could be a bottom. He says, well, how do I know which one? She said, well, you might like it this day. You might like it that day. And he said, well, what if I'm a bottom and I fall in love with another bottom? And she said, it's, uh, oh, no, don't do that. And he's like, oh, I thought there were no rules. And Blanca's like, yeah, but what you going to do? Be bumping purses? And that was a very kind of problematic thing to say because, you know, like who you like. I say all that to say we get to this point in the show where Precious is talking about her, uh, what she's into. And I think that last scene in, in Pose um, kind of sets up this, the importance of this scene with Precious. You, again, going back to being beat over the head with gender norms and how things need to be, when you get to be an adult, sometimes it's even harder to come out of your shell or to express that you like certain things. And the comment about what y'all going to be doing, bumping purses, which probably if it wasn't on cable TV would be what y'all going to be doing, bumping pussies, which is like, okay. So um, Precious expressed that, you know, I'm pansexual. That's one. Uh, someone may not know what that is. Someone may have the desires or want this type of relationship that a pansexual person has, but has no words for it. Though it has been in the media, Janelle Monet, fucking Deadpool is like so many different people. Now you're getting it from this other angle and Precious that says she's pansexual. Also that uh, she likes dark skin. That's something that you don't, that's not always presented you know, you get the rap videos and you get the commercials and everything else where everyone is 
you know, lighter than a paper bag with curly hair or bone straight hair, men and women. And that's something that we're kind of fed. But then Precious, who is a more uh, flamboyant or expressive person with her mannerisms and whatnot, says, you know, I like trans women and I like men and I like dark skin. Shows an um, a, and a uh, appreciation for butts, big butts and whatever else. But all that, uh, unpacking all that in this scene, this is something that you don't always see. So the comment about, oh, don't, what you're going to be doing, bumping purses? Well, there's a space for some of everything. And I don't know. I don't even claim to know what Precious does in the bedroom. That's not because she never said this is exactly what I do. But that being said, you have a person who's expressing themselves in a different way where you normally, not normally, usually you're going to see someone who's more masculine, someone who's more feminine, and they kind of push that together or two masculine guys. And that's that. But once it gets to the territory of femininity, because the world hates women and anything feminine so fucking much, that's this big ass taboo that this should never happen. This is the worst thing in the world. This is the apocalypse. Well, now we're casually speaking with Precious and you're presented with someone who has a variety of different interests. Stuff that you might not attribute to her, to her when you see her, but now it has been laid out for you, and now you it's it might not force a lot of people to think, but now you have to kind of challenge your preconceived notions about what this motherfucker does, and not even just what she's saying, but what we've seen before, like hubby and then homeboy. I don't know if that was a boo or not. Shay, I believe, is the guy's name. Like I don't know if that was a boo, if that was a friend, but the fact is, you have to break down what you um you have to question everything <laughs> that's what is question everything and, and be open to learn but this scene in itself again i always default to there's probably some queer kid somewhere in a flyover state or in a you know religiously oppressive household or just in a space where they don't feel 100 percent comfortable in themselves or expressing you know what they're thinking what they're feeling it might happen upon this scene if not this whole episode and feel a little bit more enlightened feel a little bit more comfortable feel more seen than uh before you know people we look for ourselves in so many things which is why black people are able to kind of relate to like a bland ass white show like seinfeld or mad about you or something and why others should be able to see things like insecure in atlanta and enjoy that as well and not just demon as a black show you know we're looking we see you can identify with something hell I'm into comic books. Do you know how many uh, white characters you have versus the the black characters, the the Latino, the Asian, the Hispanic? Like it's it's, it's a lot. So that being said, you can watch this show and and question something about yourself. And try to be a little bit more educated. It, it's there's so many takeaways from this show in this episode too. And then we go straight from that scene to Precious getting ready for the ball, putting on makeup, talking about makeup. Oh, I you know, used to watch my aunt put on her makeup. Oh, that shit makes you beautiful. Oh, people say you got to do it this way, but I don't give a fuck. I'm doing it like this. It's so many. I just, I could watch Precious for three or four more episodes. I mean, I want more of the cast. Yeah, but this was a good, this was a good episode for me. This was solid. This didn't feel like the rushed or forced Precious episode, but it felt, it felt good. So now after seeing this, I'm excited for what comes next with the other cast members. Um, but yeah, kudos, kudos to Precious. Uh, loved seeing her in this episode. 
Uh, the next scene is Precious going to the ball. And this motherfucker has this, like, ski mask. Out, like, this, like, ninja shit. Dope as <laughs> But the uh, fuck love ball looks good. It's housed in a building that I frequented a lot when I was back in Michigan. Hanging out, going to the clubs and whatnot. So, uh, it's very familiar building that I've been in before. Uh, but I, I loved it. And the fuck love ball made me want to go like, not that the other, uh, episodes and the other balls didn't make me want to be at a ball, but I think it's something about that being so <laughs> reminding me of home. Made me want to like, damn, I want to go, I want to go to the next fuck love ball next Valentine's day. So that's the other thing. Uh, I believe this was the Valentine's day weekend or somewhere around that time. And Precious was, you know, flew in to be the commentator, which is like, damn, that's so like watching this show and watching Pose kind of in tandem and almost like this show or Pose being a uh, flashback or a, uh, what is it called? Not a flashback, a um, fuck, you know what I'm trying to say, a damn uh, prequel <laughs> to my house. It's just, ah, oh God, this is, again, what a time to be alive. So Precious is um, is commentating at this ball, and it looks like a fucking hell of a time. Uh, they look cold as shit, but warm. Uh, <laughs> if that makes any sense, I uh, was cold just watching this damn thing. But no, so uh, Precious is you know still giving more of herself to us, the viewers, and we're seeing these motherfuckers laying it out on the floor. I believe that the fuck love ball, if I'm remembering correctly, Precious said that this is her dad's ball. So this is something that Marquise has put together. I believe so. But seeing this community coming together and then watching polls where it's just like, you know, a ball is where we go, you know, to gather since for the people who aren't uh, deemed worthy enough to gather or something to that effect. And then seeing this happen in real life, it's, oh my God, it's such a, it's such a beautiful feeling. See all this black boy joy, all this black girl magic, all this excitedness, this uh, just the 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 I don't know, I'm tongue tied. It's just it's fucking good. Um, and then the we kind of get a, a peek into the judge. I was gonna say jury selection. Um, into the into the selection of the judges of the panels. Because I know I heard someone say, you, you know, I need a representative from Ebony and a representative from such and such. So I think that it's probably like every house that's represented at the ball has one representative as a judge to make it fair. I would assume so. Actually, anyone who is in the ballroom culture, please tweet me, uh, Carefree Blurred at MHIB Pod, and let me know what the hell, how, how does the... How do you select the judges and <laughs> shit? Well, I've been speculating all this time. I want to know for certain. Like, am I right? Am I wrong? Let me know, listeners. Uh, leave a, a comment in the SoundCloud or tweet me, Carefree Blurred. I want to know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I love it. It wouldn't be us without a little bit of drama. So someone gets to fighting. Uh, and this, <laughs> this is exactly why I go to the gun rage, what, five days out the week? Because... You know, you guys get a little extra with this gay shit. <laughs> loved it, loved it. Uh, funny enough, I saw a lot of familiar faces at this ball. Like, a lot of people who I know of, uh, people who I've just vaguely seen before, and I saw a couple folks who I actually went to school with. So that was 
that was interesting <laughs> seeing that. So shout out to y'all. You know you are. <laughs> so it, there is this. I think we get. Now I'm gonna say we get more ballroom than we do in other episodes, but we got a very uh, hefty amount of the people at the ball. Uh, one thing I said on Twitter is that I wish that when you get to these type of scenes, you would give more of the categories. Like one guy got chopped because it was supposed to be shredded and dead at something where he's supposed to just have a lot of blood. And he did not. And I, and he was chopped cause he didn't have a lot. And I get that. And that is, um, you know, right or whatever. But I just wish that we, as the viewer, if there was a way to translate that, like, you know, this particular category, you need to have an abundance of blood and, you know, a sexy body and a six pack or something. Now that's not necessary. It didn't take me out of the show, but I, just for my own self, I was like, okay, I wonder, I wonder, like, is this a legitimate chop? Because much like with Jelani and uh, and company, <laughs> everyone has been saying, or a few people have been saying, and Relish especially, that, you know, this there's uh, ballroom politics. And so there could be where you know you should have won something, but now you get chopped or, or whatever, and it's that's just how it is. So I would like to kind of get more of, this is why this person got chopped because of X, Y, and Z. Maybe not from the the people who are in this space, you know, as it happens, but like a voiceover or something. I think that that would be something interesting. And we, we get precious sitting on these rocks, <laughs> looking like every bit of a nineties, uh, boy band aesthetic. <laughs> and it's just a, you know, I want love, you know, it translates from over the last couple scenes was, Oh, you can't have love in this in this scene because everybody know everybody. Everybody's suffering everybody. This person know this person. They know all your business. And I was like, oh, I got frustrated. That's like the one part of this show that irritated me because you always get or you often get people who, and, and this is across the board, not even just in ballroom and all this show, who make excuses for for shit, <laughs> for lack of a better term. So, oh, you can't meet any good guys at a bar because everybody's just there to pick up, you know, chicks and dudes or whatever. Oh, you can't meet a guy online because, you know, only crazy people online. All they want to do, you know, they'll lie to you. And you can't meet anybody and you don't who live near you because then if y'all don't work out. So, like, all these excuses or all these excuses might not be the right term, but all these things that are clearly wrong. It's like saying you can't meet you know, the love of your life on a Jack, something, uh, a, a gay app that, um, that Precious mentioned, or you can't meet the love of your life at a laundromat. You can't meet somebody to have a relationship with at a bar or on like, it's all the, like, it does not matter where you met this person. What matters is the connection that y'all have and communication above anything else. Fucking communication. Even before love, it's communication. Because if you ain't good at opening your goddamn mouth, I can love you all day long, but we, our wires can just keep getting crossed. Uh, Precious says something to the effect of, I'm not looking for love, but it would be nice to have it. Which is like, yeah, I think that's, 
you know, that's true. But even if you are looking for love, that doesn't make you wrong. That doesn't make it any less valid because you're looking for it. Everybody doesn't have to have that. Oh, I was at work and, you know, I, I, my purse fell out my hand and he picked it up. We locked eyes and we've been together ever since. There's not this fairy tale formula for everyone to fall in love. There's a bunch of damn people in the world. You're going to run into a few people a couple of different times or you're going to go in and out different scenes, different spaces you're gonna have growth so the motherfucker you knew in kindergarten y'all might have hated each other you get to college y'all got the same english class and then now y'all fucking and now y'all married like it's so many that was the most frustrating part of the show is everyone acting as if wanting to find love wanting to be with someone was such a bad thing or that when you get it because of someone's past now there's no way that this is going to work you're doomed to fail when you that's all you're worried about like yeah, shit come up and you have your ups and downs and your hard times and whatnot. But if you aren't going to be willing to open yourself up, now that's not to say you need to just be wild and free and willy nilly with everything. But if you know for a fact you don't want to meet somebody at a bar, then don't fucking go to a bar. But don't harp on people who do go to bars and hang out and have a good time or a couple that has met in a bar and, you know, they've been fucking or they jumped into a relationship which you feel like is too fast. It's... I don't know. This was a all in all a good episode. Um, favorite, of course, is going to go to Precious. <laughs> Period, hands down. Uh, but I will say I did enjoy seeing uh, Marquise, her dad, and seeing that interaction between them. So I'll, I, well, Precious will be. I don't, yeah, Precious will be the favorite, and Marquise is kind of you know the favorite second place. I don't know because <laughs> we didn't get a lot of different you know main cast members this episode. Uh, but and the favorite scene is probably the entire ball. Everything I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say the ball itself because seeing for me it was nostalgic. So though the conversation and the scenes with uh, Marquise and Precious should kind of, you know, be the actual favorite, I has to go back to the ball, the fuck love ball. Because not only was I feeling nostalgic for it, but I was like, oh, I want to go to this ball. Like I want to. I want to be there. I want to see, you know, what they hitting for next year. Uh, so, yeah, so that's my favorite scene. And then an MVP would just default to Precious because this was just, and I guess the, the crew as a whole, like the behind the scenes and the editing and everyone who, you know, took part in making this this show happen because this was a very good, like, again, I, I, I like, I think that these shows, these episodes stand alone very well. This one especially, if you were to, <coughs> excuse me, if someone wants to ask, you know, what is my house about? Is it any good? What's an episode I should watch? This kind of standalone in the whole series is a really good one. It's a deep, thought-provoking episode that's full of emotion. So I'd say this one. And um, a rating? At this point, it's kind of pointless to have the ratings because it's just... Either, you know, a 9 out of 10, a 10 out of 10, or whatever. Like, this has just been a, a, a superb show. Um, I doubt I'll ever get a 3 out of 10 or, or anything below a, probably a 7 or 8, damn near 8 or a 9. So, I'll just go with, you know, shit, 10 out of 10 for all the emotion. An emotional roller coaster this show put me through in a matter of 22 minutes. Like, <laughs> guns and motherfucking roses. Y'all did that. And that end scene was so beautifully shot. It was just, let me see if I can get to this here. Like this. This was such a good goddamn. And this was good to the point where if the show had have ended 
with this show, with this episode, there would have been questions left to be answered, but it would have been like, this was the dope ending. Like I could see the show just ending right here, but I don't want that. And it's not going to, but if it had ended, this season had ended right there, that would have been <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that being said, um, again, my favorite is precious. And then by extension, Marquise, cause he was such a important part of her life. Uh, favorite scene, the whole fuck love ball. That's my whole, my favorite scene. Every every shot with the fuck love ball. Uh, and then my MVP, of course, is Precious. And also by extension, Marquise, because of the importance of Marquise in her life. And um, rating, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10, you decide. Listeners, hit me up. Let me know what your rating is, who your favorite was, what was your favorite scene. Um, if you got this far, tweet me and say... Uh, Fuck love. <laughs> Hashtag fuck love. MHIB. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So thank you all for listening to this installment of My House is Burning, the review of Viceland's My House series. Make sure to reach out. I want to keep the conversation going. Email me at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. I'm on all social medias as carefreeblacknerd, except for Twitter, where it's carefreeblurred. So hit me up and, uh, and talk to me there. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, retweet, repost, all that good shit. Let's get uh, get the word out there because I would love to have a My House season two, three, four, and five. This is we need it. So um, until next time, you know, stay carefree, stay duck walking, stay death dropping, and see you next time. <laughs>